0: Welcome to the Eater Upsell. This is Amanda Clute, Editor-in-Chief of Eater. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Daniel Janine. Hi, Daniel.
1: Food stories. Let's just... Uh, it's
0: food stories day.
1: We've got some stories. We've got some about. stories.
0: July was a busy month.
1: A lot of pop culture stories, so Greg's going to call in later yes, to, to Greg. through that storm. Greg
0: has a lot to work through today.
1: Um, we haven't seen each other's lists, so there's going to be a lot of surprises here. Yep. A lot of attempted takes. Yeah. <laughs> It's so all you can really do here is just is give a take.
0: All right, let's 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 get into it. There are three things that happened this month that I would categorize in the same, like, silly food world things category.
1: It's been kind of a, a shitty month, so, like, I'm totally down to have a, sh- a silly day.
0: Yeah, let's not talk about the icons in our worlds that have died. Let's no. talk about the Activated Charcoal Food Festival, the Experimental Water Bar, and the Cheat Day Museum.
1: Great. I don't actually don't know that much about any of these.
0: Okay. Which one do you want me to start with?
1: Um, activated Charcoal Museum. What is that?
0: It's an activated charcoal food festival in <laughs> yeah. San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It's called Fifty Shades of Charcoal.
1: Fifty Shades of Charcoal. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't even rhyme or it doesn't even fit in the, the, the... It's
0: basically just a dozen food trucks and pop-up stands.
1: Which would be illegal in New York.
0: It would be illegal in New York because you can't have activated charcoal in your food in New York. Uh, The tagline is charcoal is definitely the new black. (laughs) There's um, French puffers chew, which I assume is like some sort of fried dough situation.
1: Mm -hmm. With charcoal.
0: Black corn dogs, black empanadas, (laughs) Uh, drinks dyed black with activated charcoal, like, charcoal lemonade, charcoal sangria.
1: The thing that interests me most about this is like you hate it, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why? It's
0: so dumb. It's so dumb.
1: <laughs> so for those who didn't listen last month, the reason in my opinion the charcoal got big is was is because it came from a bunch of people in the wacky health world who think it is a master detoxifier. Yeah, and then Instagram caught on because it makes your food jet, jet black, right?
0: Which like looks cool.
1: Uh, New York banned it because they said it wasn't a it wasn't an approved health additive. Yeah, Um, and now there's a food festival about it in in San Francisco. I just want to meet the people that are there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like why did you decide to do this? I also would be interested
1: in talking to one of the health gurus. That originally uh, pop or
0: like, what do you what, what have you wrought on this popular, world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, are you embarrassed?
1: Like, how do are you, you feel that it? there are charcoal <laughs> charcoal corn, corn dogs? dogs?
0: <laughs> but as you explained to me, the charcoal absor- absorbs the toxins. So the worst thing that you have with the charcoal, the better.
1: It's true. So in like, terms put it of on a
0: cor- corn dog. Don't put it in a kale smoothie.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I'm kind of all for it. As I told you that if if I was a really organized person, I would strap up with a charcoal bulletproof vest every time I went out to a meal that I deemed unhealthy. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You would take all the pills and eat all the charcoal uh-huh. before doing anything uh-huh. bad. Uh-huh.
1: Um, okay, so I'm the not next one it. It sounds I... like a place I could meet a girlfriend.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I would love
0: for that to be the thing. We send you to San Francisco <laughs> just to try to pick up ladies <laughs> at the charcoal festival.
1: It may be my domain. <laughs>
0: You would do well there.
1: Okay, next up.
0: Next up, um, I called it experimental, but it's experiential Mm -hmm. water bar. Mm. It's where you experience water. Uh, It's opened by a San Francisco-based bottled water company called Hint. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to go brick and mortar where you go and just drink different flavored waters. And you get educated about how water is healthier than soda. I think what's interesting about this story is just, um, yeah, it's stupid but also their marketing around it is very stupid. So the CEO called it a disruptive omni-channel lifestyle brand. (laughs) So it's not like, this is not bottled water, this is a disruptive Mm -hmm. omni-channel.
1: Let's figure out what that even means. Omni-channel in this case means multiple platforms?
0: Oh wait, here we go, here's why it's omni-channel. In fact, Hint is not a water company at all now that it has a storefront. In the words of the founder and CEO, it's a disruptive omni-channel lifestyle <laughs> brand. Beyond the company's staple um, water offerings, the store will sell liquids and solids like branded sunscreen, lip balm, phone chargers, Bluetooth speakers, clothing, and pop sockets for phones.
1: There we go. There are the other channels. So
0: it's just like branded yeah. stuff.
1: So uh, this to me reads, um, he got a big report saying no one's going to give a shit about your company in three months. Let's, right. let's slap a bunch of labels on. We a bunch have of to products. do something
0: experiential. People like
1: Bluetooth speakers. People
0: like millennials like being in a space with
1: things. Yeah, I don't think millennials like being sold Bluetooth speakers though. <laughs>
0: no. I think yeah, I think people are misunderstanding what millennials actually want. Um, I think they want like more authenticity and real life experiences, not like to be shucked water. What I in will say is interesting way.
1: about this though is if he's gunning for because clearly soda, clearly carbonation is hot right now. You know, if, yes, if he's yes. trying to Sparkly
0: waters are hot.
1: If he's trying to educate people in the in the downsides of sparkling water and bring them back to the uh, to the I uncarbonated believe it is a water. Woman. What? She? Oh, I thought you threw a he in there. No, I don't think so. Did I? I don't know. We'll have to look
0: back at the tape.
1: <laughs> Check the tape. CEO
0: Kara Golden.
1: I guess I just have more faith in women than in I men? do in men. <laughs> <laughs> No, this just sounds like a thing a a guy would do. (laughs) Sorry, Karen.
0: Sounds like a stupid thing a guy would say. Um,
1: Anyway, I appreciate the attack on on bubbles. If bubbles are... You always Something always pops up every few months saying, don't drink too many bubbles. You know, it's bad mm-hmm. for your teeth. It's bad for your stomach, whatever. If that actually turns out to be the case, I'm going to be really mad because I, I think carbonated water is twice as good to me as regular water.
0: I'm, I'm agnostic on it, but I agree. Like, I, I, I can't imagine it's that bad for your teeth or your stomach. Yes. Right?
1: Great. Okay, what's next?
0: All right, what's next is the Cheat Day Museum in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Again, I make everyone on Eater put quotes around museum when they're writing these stories. That's gonna be your legacy. That will be my legacy: is that if anyone sends you a press release about a museum, you have to put a quotation around it, unless it is like a real, true museum curated by an expert with artifacts in it. This is a cheat. This is called cheat day land. So again, it's kind of like um, an Instagram experience.
1: All these three, these three things are all. Me- are all Stupid. physical experiences meant to be spread far and wide in the virtual world.
0: Yeah, built for built for virality, yeah. I guess. Ugh. Okay. Yeah, it's like it's such a sad commentary on where we are today.
1: The only reason you should leave your house is to get more content to send out to the world when you're yeah. back at your house. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's super depressing. Great. Okay, um day Museum. So, what to expect? Twelve cheat meal themed rooms, <laughs> like a donut gym with pastry dumbbells, mm-hmm. and an area to try on a hamburger dress. Swim in a massive cereal bowl, or just climb on top of food.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, this is ridiculous because, you know, we've we've hated on we we've we've, <clears throat> we've said some words about the Museum of Ice Cream, yes. but at least that's a theme. At least that's at ice least cream. At least it's
0: just like this is. A, I would say a bad attempt at a museum to ice cream.
2: You it's know, like, che- you
0: could make a really great museum about ice cream. The museum yeah. of ice cream is more about marketing. But this is just, like, ridiculous. This is just,
1: cheat day in this context is just junk food. It's just yeah. all food that is generally considered to be bad for you. You know what? Like, a, a museum about cheat day could be kind of interesting. Because, like, the Where concept— all
0: about, like, body image?
1: No, the concept of the cheat day I'm not sure when that goes back to but I'm sure there were diets in the 60s and Mm. 70s that were saying like eat Mm. very well for these six days a diet museum a diet museum where you're
0: actually learning something
1: yeah exactly like what is the history of the diet when did the Mm -hmm. idea of the cheat day first pop up I will tell you that the diet books that I read now uh, Tim Ferriss um, slow carb things like that they still are all about the cheat day Uh a lot of people believe that Spiking your ins- your spiking your glycogen, I think. This is a funny thing I do is read all this shit and not, not <laughs> remember anything. Don't, any don't of it. retain it. <laughs> yeah, but spiking your whatever thing right once every whatever period of time is actually very good for uh, resetting your. Well, something. I think
0: they would argue there's a mental element to it too. Sure, like, like you it helps be- you. Get yeah. through this structured eating yeah. if you know that you get to have your reward at some point.
1: Hey, you know where you wouldn't find the interesting conversation that we just had? At Cheat dave? Museum? At the Cheat Day Museum. I do
0: Maybe, maybe you're, we're underselling them.
1: No, it's a bunch of pizza <laughs> pillows and it's a-
0: What is also a taco room? Like, how is the taco? I don't know.
1: Do I you think know. they make taco puns in there?
0: The room is called Taco Bout It? Yes. I was just
1: like, <laughs> I was, yeah, wow. Okay. Yeah. Obviously. Talk a whole lot of shit.
0: Uh, <laughs> There's a, a chocolate room, taco room. There's one just called Cloud Nine.
1: Let me tell you my least favorite parts of all of these. I don't actually have any issue with the charcoal food truck thing. Um, <laughs> the hint, whatever this is, the hint omni-channel experience, I don't like that they're selling hint products. I also can't imagine, I couldn't find anyone in the world who would want hint-labeled, like, (laughs) anything. Anything. Yeah, This one is the worst, though. This one is by far the worst. Cheat Day Museum. I I think
0: they're all, though, just the... A bad thing that's happening in society taken to its extreme. Like, Black Mirror style. Sure. People are now only into these stupid Instagram experiences. What if we... made like a donut
1: gym and a taco (laughs) pool. Right. At least Chite Museum is really telling us what we are as a society. (laughs) Whereas like the Museum of Ice Cream at least, you know, like has some uh, some level of integrity. So it's. I don't
0: know. (laughs) I don't like how Chite Land is, is bringing you to defend the Museum of Ice
1: Cream. Oh, I mean, well, there's levels. Like you now, know? Like now,
0: now, now, relatively speaking, the Museum of Ice Cream is ice like paragon is of, of taste. Maybe the Museum of Ice Cream
1: funding Cheat Day Museum. I wonder how much it costs. It, it's probably $90 of entrance. and, and, it's, and like a, a,
0: <laughs> it's, it's $38. Yeah,
1: $38. It's the same price as the Museum of Ice Cream. I also oh got an Instagram God. ad the other day for the Museum of Pizza, and it's not by the same woman who created the Museum of Ice Cream.
0: No, no, no. They're different. They're all different. There's also an avocado one, too. It's spreading. It's everywhere. Papa John's founder and CEO, he founded the company in 1984. His, John himself. John Schnatter. His face is on the box. Um, he's had some controversial issues over the years. Yeah.
1: Um, Famously, last year, he was outspoken against the players who were kneeling during yeah. the national anthem protesting police brutality.
0: Yeah, and he thought that it was hurting his sales at Papa John's, <laughs> yeah. that this was happening, that this NFL controversy yeah. and was. And then, ha- and then it
1: did happen. And hurt. then it did. <laughs> hurt, <laughs> it hurt <laughs> his sales. <laughs> yeah. But
0: anyway, this year he used the N-word mm-hmm. on a conference call.
1: The, so the conference call was with his PR team, yeah, and they were prepping him
0: for to, like a, a board meeting, Yeah,
1: maybe? so that he wouldn't use as much so he wouldn't say anything problematic in the media going forward and the exact the conversation
0: quote, was part of a role-playing exercise designed for <laughs> schnatter in order to prevent future public relations snafus
1: yeah um so in response to what he said about the nfl because they were testing him yeah he goes colonel sanders called blacks the n-word
0: and then the pr firm quit
1: the NPR firm quit. Someone leaked the call out to Forbes, I think it was. Yeah. And then he stepped down from uh, th- his board, forced him out of Papa John's. Yeah,
0: and the stock tanked.
1: And then a few days later, he was accused of sexual harassment. There was 37 claims inside the company that he had fostered a, a toxic environment, Two, I believe two directly against him. And then he comes out and says... The board didn't look into this circumstance enough, and he was f- ousted prematurely and unfairly.
0: Yeah, so he's fighting He's fighting back. I don't think that's going to work, right? <laughs> like, that's not happening. No. But Papa John's has now hired Ari Emanuel, famous for inspiring the Ari character on Entourage, to fix their reputation. Mm-hmm. So now they have, like... This super agent as as like their new crisis PR manager.
1: What? (laughs) The story here is think about all those PR training calls that haven't been. (sighs) Where it's just like, get it out. All get it all out now, John.
0: PR people have the craziest
1: jobs. Can you imagine how they responded to that? He was like, "They're like, okay, just be nice. Just okay. What, what is something? If someone asks you about your the statements you made about the NFL, what, what would you say?" And he's like, "Ah, Colonel Sanders was calling." No, they were probably like,
0: "Could you not use the N word anymore?" And he was like, "Colonel Sanders."
1: He's like, "Come over, I've got a hot tub."
0: Do you think they like put him on mute or put themselves on mute and were like, "Should we quit?" And like did it right there? You think they did it later?
1: And they probably like ordered some pizza and they're like, it's not even that good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's the other thing it's like,
1: it's not good. Who decided to get Ari Emanuel? I don't know.
0: That's the weird thing. Like, of all the.
1: If you had to to hire hire Ari Emanuel for a job that was not.
0: Being my agent?
1: Agent. Yeah, master (laughs) agent, talent agent. Like, what would you. I mean, a nightclub owner or something?
0: I don't know. Because he was also like portrayed in the show as a sleazeball. Mm hmm. So like that's kind of weird
1: too. What do they think he's gonna do for them though?
0: I don't know. Do a whole rebrand. People yeah. are forgiving.
1: Okay. Yeah. Next up, this is one of my favorite ones. I'm gonna read you a Facebook status by Gabrielle Caulfield Um, She is a Subway employee. Okay. And she recently got into it. Got into it with a vegan uh, Subway customer. Uh huh. So I work at Subway. Yesterday, I had a chick come in. She told me she wanted a veggie delight. As I went to get the bread, she asked me if I could change my gloves because she's a vegan and I had been handling meat. I did that. No problem. Perfectly reasonable request. I get her bread, toast it, and put it on all the veggies she wants. I start to wrap up her sandwich and she says, can I get some mayo? I look at her. She's looking at me. I pick up the mayo. I'm waiting for her to be like, haha, JK. Nothing. Me. You know mayonnaise has eggs in it, right? This girl stood There, silent. She stood there for a second. Vegan. No, 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 it doesn't. I get mayo every time. Are you sure? Oh, no. Yes, ma'am. Mayo has egg whites in it. I felt so horrible. She stood there with such a distraught and defeated face. I had shattered this poor girl's world. (sighs) A couple people waiting, so I had to get this lady out of here. Me. Would you like the mayo on it, ma'am? Vegan. Sure. Go ahead. She sounded so done. So defeated. So I gave her the mayo, wrapped her sandwich up, and charged her for a sandwich. She was silent the whole time. She took her sandwich and started walking away. Me, thanks for coming. Have a nice day. She just looked at me, sighed, yeah, I'll try, and walked out. And that's the story of how I taught a vegan that mayonnaise is, in fact, (laughs) not vegan. (laughs) That's cute. This story works for me because the vegan is not angry in it.
0: All vegans aren't angry. No,
1: but... This story typically is like the vegan freaks out and and smashes a window or something. The vegan is sad. Yeah, because she didn't know.
0: She's trying to live her values, and it's tough out there. (laughs) It's tough out there making ethical decisions every day, every tiny part of your life. Yeah. But now she'll be a better vegan for it. So, Daniel... This is more interesting to me than to you, but Ooh, I think I love it's these Im- ones. important for our audience and our listenership. Michael Bauer, the critic of the San Francisco Chronicle for over three decades, is finally retiring.
1: Huge deal. I mean, people say this guy is, he's accumulated too much power.
0: People think of him as a bit of a tyrant. Yeah. He's also like very influential and has changed food criticism and is this, you know, icon to certain people, but I think to a younger generation, he's not the best writer and a little outdated and too chummy with a lot of the restaurant industry in San Francisco, especially because his partner runs a business that works with restaurateurs all the time. And so there's a perceived conflict of interest Mm. with him and people have been wanting him out for a while. This was most apparent earlier this year when the San Francisco Chronicle's food editors all wrote this op-ed mm-hmm. about whether or not you should include bad actors on your lists, like Michael Bauer's best of San Francisco list. And the three main editors there all said, no, we should not include them. And he was like, eh, we'll see. If the restaurant's good, it's good. And like the glaring opposition between the editor of the section and him.
1: It's something you never see publicly either, right?
0: Yeah. You would it was it's rare to see editor. a restaurant critic and the food editor Disagreeing so publicly. And it almost seemed like they published that to expose this difference in viewpoint Mm. for the public to know like, hey,
1: covering the bases.
0: If you guys don't like this list, it's not on us. We have no control over this guy. He,
1: over this mad critic. Yeah. Running about the city.
0: He feels this way. We don't. We have no control over him. This is on him.
1: Has he been, in your opinion, has he been pushed out, or is he retiring, or is this natural causes? I don't
0: know. I mean, he's been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. He's probably ready for a new thing. I am assuming some the new pressure... industry to Ray Nova. Yeah, I think he was slowly getting pushed to the side. Maybe
1: he'll review toys.
0: I don't understand the <laughs> accent you're doing.
1: <laughs> I'm just doing like a like a 1970s like like a sorry like a film noir. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. About... Yeah. Yeah. Right. So
0: I think he's still a respected voice to many, so he'll be fine. But I think it's really exciting for the San Francisco restaurant scene because they get a new voice.
1: <laughs> yeah, what what do you think is going to happen? Have they have they picked someone? Are they
0: no? They're doing a nationwide search, and it's really exciting because they have it's a plum job with a real budget, mm-hmm. um, so they can. I think they're going to be able to pick and choose from a lot of people.
1: In other cities, would would a critic not have as much opportunity to really? do like three meals at the big places? No, I
0: mean, there are are a lot of local papers that are dying or cutting their food sections, but you still find restaurant critics in a lot of the cities around the United States. It's just that San Francisco is such a big market that it's kind of exciting. Like you get to review like really relevant restaurants. Mm -hmm. Uh, The problem is it's so expensive to live there. So if you're trying to recruit from outside, people have been naming all these New Yorkers. I was like, do you really want to leave New York for San Francisco? Like New York is expensive, but San Francisco is worse. And, like in my opinion, it's not a fun. I wouldn't want to be there. So, mm-hmm. I think that's.
1: A but challenge. it's a real changing of the guard.
0: But it's a changing of the guard. It's going to be a great opportunity for someone.
1: Amanda, have you been watching Explained Vox's I have. Netflix show? I have. Um, I consume it-
0: all Vox content, by the way. I love their podcast. Today them. Explained.
1: Today Explained is a fantastic podcast. But yeah. this is not I know. an ad for Today Explained. This no, is an I know. We're for
0: advertising the show, not the podcast. We're not even but advertising
1: it. We're just telling just you that it, it is good. Because it is good.
0: I'm just saying while we're recommending the show, I would like to also recommend the podcast. <laughs> but yes, the show is great. It's on Netflix. Sean is fantastic. Sean's, and also Sean's, the show is great. Yeah, yeah. So it's on Netflix. Probably already seen the one about monogamy and designer babies. K pop. K-pop. The last one that just came out was about tattoos, which is super super interesting, mm-hmm. uh, especially about how um, the, with the growth of tattoo cultures, there's the growth of people regretting tattoos, which I can mm-hmm. say I am part of that group. And there's a huge growth. In, you are part of that group? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a back too that I massively regret. What? Yes, 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 yes. On my 18th birthday, I got a tattoo on my lower back. And I regretted it for like 16 years. I
1: did not know that. Is that common knowledge?
0: No, no, no. I'm revealing it in this ad. Huge reveal. Yeah, I'm revealing this on the ad for the show Explained. But yeah, watch the show. It's about tattoos. There's also one about weed. The one about cricket. They explain it, but it's still confusing to me. I'll say that. So they try, but cricket is impossible to understand. So even the experts can't explain it. This was a very big month for Guy Fieri. So we wanted... Our pop culture editor Greg Morbido to call in and talk to us a little bit about what Guy has going on.
2: Uh, Yeah, Guy Fieri, he's all over the place. He's had like such a big month. (laughs) Um, The thing that I'm most excited to see him doing right now is he's up in Redding, California, helping feed the victims of the terrible wildfires up there. He just drove up there with his barbecue rig and his son and some of their buddies, and he called his pals at operation barbecue relief and they sent some rigs and they're making some food for for all the first responders and all the victims of the fires which is something he uh has actually done before and he doesn't make a big deal out of it but it's the kind of thing you want to think that guy fury would would be happy to do and he he usually seems to pull through so just does it yeah he just does it he just goes up there and he's like what are we gonna cook let's let's feed the people so yeah you know he's 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 keeping it real in the midst of all this, he's also planning to open a chicken finger restaurant at Disney World.
0: <laughs> I love all Disney news, no matter what it is. So I especially love that Guy Fieri is opening a chicken fast food restaurant in Disney World.
2: It's, it's kind of funny because when he opened that restaurant in New York and everyone was really closely following it and... Yeah, it was was a really big deal. And then Pete Wells took a big old dump on that restaurant (laughs) and it became like the laughing stock. I think it
0: was already the laughing stock.
2: It was already the laughing stock. But yeah, Pete Wells definitely did a sort of signal boost to how bad it was. And I think that was like one of the top 10 stories in the New York Times of that year was was like his bad review of Guy Fieri's restaurant. And he got laughed out of town. Everyone thought, oh, his food sucks. (laughs) Ha ha. But then it's like quietly he's just building this empire of, of like family restaurants all around the world. Like he has like over two dozen restaurants now.
0: And can you tell us what this one is called? I believe it is called Big
2: Chicken, chicken Guy. Chicken
0: Guy exclamation point. Yes. <laughs>
2: I Get love it? it. Because his name is, is Guy. And yeah, he's, Chicken, he's chicken guy. guy. And the chicken looks like, uh, it looks like Guy Fieri. <laughs> Greg, did you ever eat at uh, at Guy's in New York? You know, it's funny, I never did, but I did actually get a tour of Guy Fieri's restaurant from Guy Fieri like the day that it opened. <laughs> wow. What was yeah. that like? Which was <laughs> it was I mean, it was one of the greatest experiences of my <laughs> life. Because he really he really like he committed to it. He he gave me like a tour for like 35 40 minutes. He hopped behind the line and he's like, you know, he's like, here's how I make the smoke turkey alfredo he, he like showed me that he knew how to make like five different dishes to sort of dispel any idea i had that he was just putting his name on the restaurant um and he knew all the details about like who designed every room and you know all the all the light fixtures and all the drinks behind the bar i mean you know he's 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 no slouch when it comes to operating his restaurants. They, they're just apparently not very good. So
0: Well, I have faith in Chicken Guy.
2: Yeah, Chicken Guy sounds like a winner.
0: Uh, and then, while all this is happening, tell us about Shark Week.
2: Yeah, I had never seen <laughs> Shark Week until I watched uh, Guy Fieri's Shark Week special, uh, which it's he and his son, Hunter, they go to like the Bahamas um, to go swimming with these sharks. And it begins with them... On the back of a boat called the USS Flavortown (laughs) with bazookas full of shark bait and they like shoot them off and the thing that makes it really good is that he's really scary at one point because it seems like there's one point where they're doing this dive where they're under the water and there's all these big uh, tiger sharks swimming around them and it seems like Guy is drifting away from the rest of the group. He's drifting downward and they're like, where is he? Where is he? And then, you know, they finally swim down and grab him and bring him up. But there's that moment and a few other moments where it actually seems like, you know, there's a real sense of sort of peril, you know, and that he is, he, he, you, might, you might be witnessing like some really, uh, maybe the, the end of the Guy Fieri saga. Of course, everything turns out okay, you know, in the end, but it's definitely an out of bounds full-throttle episode of TV, and I I highly recommend you check it out.
0: And he actually does four dives, right?
2: Yeah, he actually does four dives. He had no certification before doing the show, and it's pretty funny because, you know, the reason why he's, like, such a big person on the Food Network and has been since day one is, like, he's really good at talking, like, he'll say that, like, you know, that was just his thing, his audition tape, Mm -hmm. is they were like, oh, this guy can talk for, like, 10 minutes straight without stopping, and so he's going to be a great, you know, Food Network host. Um, but like, he still does that just while he's, uh, you know, doing this thing he's never done before, which is scuba diving with sharks or whatever. Um, but his narration is still pretty great, you know, (laughs) like he, he, he's still Guy Fieri. Even He can cross genre. Yes, exactly. He can do like, you know, it's like Guy Fieri meets Jacques Cousteau or something. It, It was a very entertaining hour of TV.
1: Up next, Gordon Ramsay launched a new show.
2: Yes. Uncharted. I think that's the working title of it. Um, Yeah, so there was a big TV conference this month where all the studios and all the networks kind of announced what they have in the works right Mm -hmm. now for all the the TV critics and TV writers and stuff. So Nat Geo, which is a shorthand way of saying National Geographic, they're um, working on the show. They haven't filmed it yet. They're in production for a show called Gordon Ramsay Uncharted, where the idea is that you know, the, the, the Hell's Kitchen, Kitchen Nightmares, Gordon Ramsay, the shouty, mean British guy, would go into communities around the world, kind of parachute in, learn their lo- their most extreme local food customs and traditions, and then try to outcook them <laughs> at their, their own game. Like, do his version of, like, their food to sort of try and beat them at it. Which is, like,
0: not the best concept for 2018, maybe.
2: Oh, not at all. Not at all. So what was Um, the backlash? The backlash was pretty swift. I mean, we, the way that we wrote it up on Eater was like, obviously, this is a terrible idea. (laughs) Um, But it was very funny to see um, how people were kind of sharing it on Twitter and stuff. Like, I I can't remember who said this, but somebody tweeted, like, um, like Anthony Bourdain, but evil, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the like the opposite. opposite of Bourdain. Um, yeah, yeah, where it's not about trying to understand different local communities around the world, but like trying. Right. To, I mean, there's overt sort of colonial implications right. there. Um, right, it's
0: like be Bobby Flay, but in a way that actually would, would offend people.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. I actually was—I was, so, I was um, always kind of offended by Beat Bobby Flay.
0: Really, because he's like, "Oh, I can make." A camp yeah, that farm. one
1: thing you do that you are a master at. Like, <laughs> I can do that better than right. you.
0: It's like that, but going to undercover right. communities around. No, the world. this is so
2: much worse. You know, the, the interesting thing is that National Geographic—they walked it back like <laughs> a day after they announced it. Where they're saying, oh, well, we haven't made the show yet. We're sorry that it got misinterpreted this way. Mm. But it's like the very nature of the concept itself is offensive. Yeah. I also just don't know if there's any version of that show that sounds good, you know? I mean, Gordon Ramsay has so many television programs. Yeah, Yeah, we don't
0: really need more of him.
1: Maybe he should just go to uh, third world countries and yell at people. (laughs)
2: That's what it sounds like this is. You know, it's interesting because there was a clip from a show he filmed like eight years ago that went viral, I think it was back in May. He was was in Thailand and he was cooking in some kitchen just trying to make pad thai with a famous pad thai chef and he cooked it and then the chef tasted it and like snorted and like looked at him Mm -hmm. like he was like a crazy person and this little clip, like somebody was watching it on TV, they just filmed it on their phone and put it on Twitter and it just exploded. (laughs) Like, um, so maybe if that was the show if it was like Gordon Ramsay trying to cook other cultures' foods and then, then just like mocking him, that would be actually pretty entertaining. But <laughs> like um,
0: watch Gordon fuck he... up all these global cuisines. And it's like always rigged against him.
2: Yeah. Watch all these home cooks and these grandmas and grandpas and important people in their communities just like dunk on Gordon Ramsay. That that would that would I I would I would tune in for that.
1: Yeah, like say what you want about Guy Fieri, but if he went if he did the same show, he would praise every single person's food who he well, encountered. Well, like
0: diners, drive-ins, and dives yeah. that he goes to these places that no one's talking about and is like, hey, show me what you do. Cool. This is delicious.
1: Yeah, This jalapeno popper is freaking awesome. Yeah.
0: Even when he doesn't like it, it's just like, this is delicious.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, because, yeah, it's putting the spotlight on someone else. But that's the weird thing about Gordon Ramsay is that he always kind of turns the, the camera back on himself. And, you know, it's like he has to be the sort of king of any any TV show that he's in. In
0: other funny TV news, can you tell us what happened with Prince Charles this month?
2: Oh yes, this is great. So Prince Charles was on (laughs) the Australian version of MasterChef (laughs) and they really hyped his cameo on this episode. It was like a royal themed challenge and he appeared on the show but he didn't eat anything. And (laughs) the reaction to that was severe on Twitter. Like, people were outraged that he appeared, they made him all these special fancy things. The challenge had to do with cooking native Australian ingredients, and so I believe somebody served something like an ant souffle, you know, just, uh, I believe there was some bush meat involved. Kind of things that maybe you wouldn't associate um, with like being served to Prince Charles, and he didn't eat them. So I think some people took offense to that, but more than anything, People were just surprised that he didn't eat anything and they didn't address it. Um,
0: right.
2: But as it turns out, there is a long history of the royals never eating anything in public. They just don't do it. Um, you know, unless... And it's not because, like, I think... I, I don't think it's because they're worried about getting poisoned or anything like that. <laughs> like, they don't have to have it be fed to a food tester. You know, like you might assume if you read fairy tales or something. But it's like... Um, they just—it's just like part of their practice because I think people look look bad when they eat in public a lot of it's times. It's inappropriate, I mean, yeah. Yeah, like Hillary Clinton—that was like one of her rules when she was campaigning. She would never eat anything in public, you know. It's just funny
0: that they would agree to do the
2: show. And it's funny too because I saw that there were like billboards advertising his cameo in Australia, you know. So people were were really ready to see him see him be a part of the show. One thing
1: that has happened a bunch of times this month, and a little sneak preview, we talked about it with Chef Marcus Samuelson Uh next week on our our episode, uh, is people associated with the Trump campaign and the Trump presidency being heckled at restaurants, tossed out of restaurants, uh, thrown drinks at, and uh, one kid had his MAGA, his Make America Great hat stolen. (laughs) Uh, So... It's not a great time. What do you mean a kid? I think he was like under 20.
0: Oh, okay. But like mostly you're talking about officials in the administration. Yeah, I'm mostly talking about
1: officials. But it's not a good time to be a... uh, Like we had
0: talked in earlier episodes about Sarah Huckabee Sanders, but this is like goes beyond. It's Scott Pruitt. It's Mitch McConnell.
1: Steve Bannon.
0: Steve Bannon. Stephen Miller.
1: So here, Stephen... So they're all kind of the same story. They get yelled at and then They get yelled at by someone. Uh, Stephen Miller... Usually, like,
0: a heckler. Not like... Like, Redhead was about the restaurant side. This is just, like, someone... Mm -hmm. Like, a school teacher coming up and being like, shame on you.
1: So, Stephen Miller, who is uh, considered... One of the most radical of uh, Trump's campaign—or Trump's uh, cabinet member. I don't even know if he's a cabinet member. He's just the speechwriter advisor. Writer, advisor. Um,
0: Maybe even the architect of the child separation policy.
1: Yeah, and the travel bans. Yeah. He threw out $80 worth of sushi after being heckled at a restaurant by the bartender. So here's the story. <laughs>
0: I love that. Because it was takeout.
1: <laughs> he had it already. He had it. He had it. He had it it yeah. wasn't
0: like— well, I'm standing up and leaving now. Like, he was walking home. and So was he like,
1: had the sushi. Yeah. Leaves the restaurant. The bartender comes out and he says, Stephen. Miller turns around. Then the bartender gives him the middle fingers with both hands and cursed at him. And then the story says, according to the Washington Post, that Stephen Miller was outraged and threw out the $80 tray of sushi that he had already safely left with. Uh... This is so great to me because, like, what a win for the heckler.
0: Yeah, like, the heckler's <laughs> not like, okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: you wasted my food. Like, we, he paid for it. The
1: story reported, I guess, that he was worried that they had spit in it oh, or something. Oh,
0: he thought it was...
1: A, they probably didn't know it was him. I mean, he's probably ordering under a fake name or some or Mr. Miller or whatever. And B, the bartender was clearly a rogue actor in this. In this, uh,
0: Yeah, he went outside.
1: He went outside. This wasn't a, a restaurant-wide. But you were wide.
0: saying when we were talking about the Red Hen that that's what you would do.
1: What, what did I say I would do?
0: You would not confront.
1: I would never spit in. I would, there is you no would, situation in the world where I would mess with their food. Oh, really? No? Yeah, no, no. Okay. I would... I would have everything. I would do. Oh, you would give them a slow service. Give them slow service. give them slow service. I would be very nice, give them slow service, and do whatever I could like to the most make their day aggressive way worse. Yeah. Of, yeah. Kicking them out of the restaurant is like, it's like a shot in the arm. It's like, go get them, fight the good right, fight. Right. Keeping them there for a long time just and just like frustrating them. Just put
0: their order in. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, I think is the better move, but that's just all anger being translated in different ways. Right, right, right. I really hope that Stephen Miller was just standing there and just goes, like, Ugh, and throws at the sushi like this was the fine. He was so frustrated. Right, right, right. Like, oh, I can't believe I get heckled so much. I'm not eating the food from this establishment.
0: I think it probably, like, gives him more power, you know? Like, someone like that, like an uber villain in a movie. Yeah. Where, like, you get that negative energy, and it just fuels you oh, to yeah, be even for sure. a worse person. Yeah. Like, he's like, oh, the child separation policy is working. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but see, I think the sadistic mad villain thing, like here this to me is him being, I think they got to him a little. The yeah. sadistic mad villain thing for me is if he like opens Opened the box of sushi and just of like
0: Yeah, that's true. That would have been the power move.
1: I love that it was in an 80 dollar platter also. I like know. that was probably for other people or maybe Stephen Miller just has Maybe
0: it was, it was a nice sushi place. Very, anymore.
1: yeah, very expensive tastes.
0: Thanks for joining, everyone. One final plug in today's episode is for everyone to watch "No Passport Required" on PBS, which came out this month. And Seems like it came out so long ago, but it came out in July.
1: This month, yep. And uh, it stars Marcus, Chef Marcus Samuelson, and it is fantastic. It's
0: fantastic. He goes to different immigrant communities around the United States. Uh, it's super, super powerful. More more powerful than you would even imagine. More political than you would think of a show, a food show on PBS. Um, and so far, we've visited New Orleans, Detroit, Chicago, and New York. Queens, yeah. Queens, New York. That was last night. Uh, and then on Tuesday, we're going to eat Haitian food in Miami. So please check it out on PBS and Eater.com.